Okay, everyone, here it is. The dreaded episode. I hope you're listening with earbuds and, like, under your covers with the lights off and the doors locked, and I hope you spoofed your IP address so no one knows that you listen to this. Um, but let's be honest, if you're in the NAD, you've got heretics at your right hand and at your left, so you probably don't have a lot to worry about, other than maybe, like, a public reprimand and being welcomed to leave at any time. Uh, that's right. We're talking about compliance committee today. Bum, bum, bum. Some of you guys, like me, uh, may have been following along, and probably a lot of you know even more of the gritty details than I, do, than I do, because I've been following sort of generally, but I don't know all the ins and outs and the mechanics of church structure and vote counts and all that stuff. Um, but if you're just jumping in and you don't even really know what's going on, don't worry. I'll do a very sort of low-poly overview before I hit you with all my non-compliant heretical opinions. Um, if you do want like a more technical and knowledgeable explanation, uh, I recommend listening to the Absurdity podcast and the Disruptive Adventism podcast. Shout out to my fellow podcasters. Um, so I think we'll go overview of the situation, broad summary of some reactions, my laughter and derision that will likely get me disfellowshipped, then uh, we'll talk about what we should do, uh, and we'll see where that gets us. Okay, let's do it. So, as you may or may not know, the topic of women's ordination in the Adventist Church has been simmering for many years. It's been the subject of much discussion, and there was even a theological study committee that was assigned to look into the issue and see if they could come up come to a consensus on whether women's ordination is biblical. Well, surprise, surprise, they didn't come to a consensus. Uh, this was back in 2014, and the committee came up with three positions, with the vote split three ways between those positions. So, because this issue doesn't have some single biblical interpretation, it's created a lot of division. Uh, you may know that there are conferences, like the one I'm in, for example, that have gone ahead and acted according to their conscience by ordaining women, even though uh, there's not an official stance if whether that's approved or not. Um, now, if you were paying attention back in 2015, which I was vaguely aware of at that time, but I wasn't really paying that close attention, uh, you'll remember that there was a vote at the general conference session on whether division should be allowed to decide on their own if women can be ordained in their territories. Uh, it wasn't about whether women's ordination was right or wrong or biblical. It was basically just a vote, and the vote was no, that divisions should not be allowed to decide that for themselves. Okay, so this is the backdrop for the whole situation that we're dealing with now, which has evolved into something different. Uh, you have historically a general aversion to the idea of women's ordination, but no declarative position held by the general conference. And then you have the NAD, which, as you know, exists within the very progressive social culture of the United States, feeling like women's ordination is not only fine, but in many minds, necessary. Now, this podcast is not about women's ordination or whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. Personally, I have no dog in this ordination fight, but the fact that the North American division has seen fit to continue ordaining women even though the GC voted that divisions shouldn't make that decision, um, that's the cause of the new daytime soap about which I do have many, many thoughts. Okay, so in response to the NAD sort of doing its own thing, 
the GC decided maybe it needed to create a compliance watchdog. The idea is basically that if there are any divisions that are not following the rules, the committee would review and do a little bit of wrist slapping, you could say. So the basic sequence of events, if someone is out of a compliance would be, for example, the NAD is out of compliance. They get the whistle blown on them and told to come back into compliance. Uh, they give the GC double birds and keep doing what they want to do. <laughs> well, obviously this won't abide. So the compliance committee swoops in and does like a account that moms do. Like, NAD, put down that ordination before I count to three or else. One, two, don't you make me say three NAD. I don't want a three, that's it. Then at this point, after the NAD sticks its tongue out at the GC and runs out of the room laughing, the consequences come down hard. So the next thing is they get a big scary warning. This is like, I already counted to three, now I'm really steamed. This is a warning, I swear, this is such a big warning. Um, and then when the NAD continues to laugh and moons the GC, uh, they'll get really, really hot under the collar. Uh, if the warning doesn't work, there's a public reprimand. This is like when two siblings are hitting each other and the whiny one says, if you do that again, I'm telling mom. And of course, two seconds later, they get hit. So they're like, mom, the NAD hit me. Um, and then, then, if all of the bloviating and foot stomping doesn't do anything in the NAD spray paints loser across the GC's locker, uh, the big hammer drops. People start getting removed from committees. Ooh, spooky. And they're not allowed to vote and things like that and maybe even have to step down. Okay, so basically there's a whole big chain of threatening in hopes that divisions will start to comply with things that no one can come to consensus on, but that the GC has a general feeling about. Um, and let's be honest, we're really talking about the NAD here, even though like 80% of entities are out of compliance. This is very clearly aimed at the NAD over women's ordination. Okay. Now that you have an idea of what the situation is, you'll probably be interested to note that last week during the annual council, the General Conference Executive Committee approved this whole compliance committee proposal. So the discipline sequence that I just described was voted yes, thumbs up, good idea. Which is a little bit ironic because the GC had already put the compliance committee together and all but started implementing it without actually having had the vote, which... As my good buddies over at the Absurdity podcast pointed out, is sort of the GC being out of it compliance with itself. <laughs> so pretty much to sum up, the GC got offended that the NAD mooned them, all the while not caring that the butt flap of their own long johns was waving in the wind. Um, and one more thing, the compliance committee isn't just uh, for women's ordination now. They figured if we're going to go tantrum, we should go full tantrum. And they've now created five different compliance committees to police uh, GC core policies, how creation and origins are taught in our school, the gays, uh, distinctive beliefs of the SDA church, and of course, ordination. So goody, these five things will now have committees looking over them to whistleblow um, if anybody does not follow the rules. Alright, so now that you have sort of a general idea of the brouhaha 
Uh, as you can imagine, reactions to this compliance committee idea, especially within the NAD, but not exclusively, uh, have been negative. You can probably find reactions all over the place um, and amongst your friends, but one of the reactions that has been widely talked about was an article George Knight wrote at Spectrum Magazine, where his basic thesis was that the GC was acting like the Catholic Church and using beastly power to coerce divisions into obeying against their conscience. Um, in his indictment of the GC, Knight said, quote, One of the more interesting facts of history is that it took the bishops of Rome 600 years to develop an effective papacy with control over the worldwide church, while Silver Spring is on track to do so in a little more than 150, <laughs> unquote. Well, now, this has the fundamentalist Adventist panties in a wad, Pearl Clutch, how dare he compare us to the filthy papacy? Um, and then on the other side, the more progressive Adventists are like, if you don the pointy hat, you're gonna get called the Pope. Um, <laughs> so you have this split where everyone is arguing and reprimanding everyone else. The pro-GC crowd is going around saying, everyone act nice and stop calling us names, you meanies. We just want to tell you what to do. Can't you just bend over nicely? Um, and the non-compliant bros are like, we're handing out brown shirts to all y'all. <laughs> well, okay, as one does when feeling backed into a corner, whether that corner is trying to prove that you're one 1,024th Native American, or simply that you're not the papacy, <laughs> a defensive, sputtering explanation slash justification is in order. So the GC wrote this long article in their executive committee newsletter, just really definitively putting every argument against them to bed once and for all. Ha! Take that dissenter's checkmate. Uh, except, um, my own personal take is that they could not have parodied themselves better if they had hired me to parody them. <laughs> the whole article reads like a sitcom, basically. I'm not even kidding, you guys. Um, so in the interest of pure entertainment, we are going to go point by point through this defensive scramble uh, just to see what we think. Okay, point one takes the whole page, basically, to say that Catholics are bad and Adventists are good. Well done. Uh, we're already off to a strong rhetorical start with phrases like this, quote, those who try to suggest that the Seventh-day Adventist Church or its leadership are fulfilling the prophecy of Revelation 13 are virtually identifying the church as Babylon, unquote. <laughs> Good one, Sherlock. Great nuanced extrapolation there. Um, it's like in Pink Panther when Inspector Clouseau is interrogating someone about a murder. You are the soccer player known as Bizou? Yes. You are acquainted with Yves Gluon? I'm glad he's pushing up daisies. He is not pushing up daisies. He is dead. It's an idiom. You, sir, as an idiom. So it's like saying, you're acting like the Beast of Revelation, GC. And they're like, it's not the Beast of Revelation. It's Babylon. <laughs> okay, Inspector Cluzo. Uh, and then they use the old Spider-Man pointing at other Spider-Man going, no, you. Um, you know that meme? Uh, here's this zinger. Quote, The one and only power that makes this claim and matches the prophetic description is the Roman papacy. Unquote. Um, and then down the, down the paragraph it says, 
Quote, to counteract this widespread apostasy, the Seventh-day Adventist Church has been raised up by God as the remnant of Bible prophecy, unquote. So, basically, like, we can't possibly act tyrannically, only the Catholic Church can act tyrannically. It's apparently not about principles, it's about who your chain reference calls out as the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, like, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, it doesn't matter what we actually do, because the Bible doesn't predict Adventists do bad stuff in prophecy. Um, it's like saying, I'm on remnant base so you can't tag me. <laughs> it's the same argument as saying, just because I'm wearing a balaclava and beating you with a club because I don't like what you're saying, doesn't mean I'm not an anti-fascist even though part of the dictionary definition of fascist is forcible suppression of opposition. So like, I'm not forcibly suppressing you as I beat you with this club. I'm an anti-fascist. <laughs> even though the Bible describes what the beast does that makes it beastly, apparently if we do that exact thing, it's fine. We don't actually want to think and apply principles. Um, <laughs> basically they're perfectly setting up the joke in Futurama where the crew ends up in ancient Egypt, and it's it's kind of a stinging punchline for religious people. Listen. Great wall of prophecy, reveal to us God's will that we may blindly obey. Free us from thought and responsibility. We shall read things off you. And do them. Your words guide us. We're dumb. I mean, can you argue? Um, so the article goes on. And says, quote, God has commissioned his end-time people to proclaim this good news and call people everywhere out of man-made systems and human creeds based solely on human tradition. Part of this commission is to call people out of Babylon, symbolizing both a system of falsehoods, human authority, and unbiblical teachings, unquote. Um, but even though we can't come to consensus on what's biblical and large sections of the church feel convicted in different directions, uh, even then, it's not human authority for us to say, wrong, 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 you're all wrong, we have the correct way, and you don't. Um, yeah, okay guys, that's not human authority, only the Catholic Church does the human authority stuff. Okay, next point, they say, quote, the vast difference between the decision-making process in the Catholic Church in comparison to the Seventh-day Adventist Church is that Catholics are top-down and we are top-down and bottom-up, unquote. Um, so even though decisions are supposed to be made corporately rather than dictatorially, if you don't do what we say, punishment. See, that's bottom-up, right? <laughs> now... Before we go on, I just want to check on one thing. Okay, um, here's Merriam-Webster's dip dictionary definition of the word bureaucracy. Okay, bureaucracy, a body of non-elective government officials or an administrative policy-making group or government characterized by specialization of functions, adherence to fixed rules, and a hierarchy of authority, okay? And the last definition is a system of administration marked by officialism, red tape, and proliferation. <laughs> so, like, what do you think of when you think of bureaucracy? I mean, red tape is a big part of it, right? Just hold this definition in your mind if you can. And as I continue, try to think of a better way to tee up this next Futurama joke. 
Um, the article says, quote, The president of the world church does not govern with the authority of the Pope of Rome, but rather administers the work of the church through committees, unquote. Hmm. <laughs> what do we all love about the proliferation and officialism of committees? <laughs> okay, you guys, I love, love, love this next part. It's my favorite part. It says, quote, Preferably, all cases of non-compliance should be dealt with by those entities closest to the matter, and they are encouraged to establish their own committees, hmm, more committees, to help ensure compliance at all levels within their fields. These compliance committees, rather than being an authoritarian, top-heavy, bureaucratic, yes, it actually says bureaucratic, tool of general conference administration, um, they're an attempt to encourage each local entity to deal with non-compliance on a local level, unquote. So, basically, create more committees to make less bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Then, in the very next paragraph, you find this gem. Quote, The fact that non-compliance in various areas of the church take time to resolve is a powerfully clear testimony to the fact that the Adventist Church has a distributed, rather than a top-down system of authority, with appropriate checks and balances, including the possibility of resolving matters by higher levels of church governance, unquote. You guys, it's perfectly constructed comedy. The joke about bureaucracy is that there's so much red tape, i.e. committees taking forever, taking time to resolve, um, it's this Futurama bit in perfect form. Sweet gorilla of Manila! A letter from the central bureaucracy! Attention, Hermes Conrad. You are about to receive a letter from the central bureaucracy. My god! It's from the central bureaucracy! <laughs> okay, the next section of the article just gives a long explanation of how the Theology of Ordination Study Committee was split three ways, like I said earlier, and couldn't agree on what position was biblical, if any of them were. The article says, quote, the vote taken of its members indicates that the committee was quite evenly divided among the three positions, while some have tried to read that vote, which was an unofficial straw poll, as favoring the ordination of women. Others point out that similarly sizable majority recognized male leadership as the ideal biblical model for God's people, unquote. So basically, there's no right answer on what the Bible says about ordination. It's all down to perspective. This is another well-crafted, timeless punchline. <laughs> kind of like Barney Fife with his inkblot test. Now I'm going to show you this design, and I want you to tell me what it looks like. Well, let me see. All right, John, not so fast. I just want you to tell me the first thing that comes into your mind. Just say anything you think of, okay? Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah. That's a bat. Wrong. You told me. Wrong, 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 wrong. Any normal person can see that's a butterfly. Butterfly, huh? Well, if it is, it's a mean one. Well, there's your evidence right there. I shudder to think what you just revealed about yourself. What is it? What? Well, you see ugly things. I see butterflies and you see bats. So? Well, wouldn't you rather see butterflies than bats? No, once in a while I like to see a bat. Well, that's your problem right there. You prefer bats to butterflies. So do you mind? Yes, I do. And another thing, the therapy, don't talk back to the therapist. So <laughs> you gonna make me? Yeah! 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 
you you may see women's ordination as a bat, but we see it as a butterfly, and we're right. <laughs> this is more valuable than all the comedy writing books I've read combined, you guys. <laughs> okay, moving on. The next point is that the Catholics excommunicate people, whereas we just want to ask you to please leave of your own volition. <laughs> it says in the article, quote, Consequently, those who no longer see a butterfly but a bat are left free to follow the dictates of their conscience, which may include resigning their church offices, unquote. I may have added the butterfly and the bat part, but this was still in the spirit of the quote, okay? Um, but no, of course, we don't excommunicate people. That's just the Catholics. Um, the next section of the article tells people not to be mean to them by deconstructing their arguments because church leaders are appointed by God. Quote, as one hears or reads the strong rhetoric being used today against church leadership, one wonders if those making the accusations know the person whom they are attacking. The Bible encourages us to speak respectfully about each other and our leaders. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to control our words and actions. Unquote. <laughs> okay, passive aggression is another excellent comedy tool, my friends. Marie Barone is a great example of how to say something as if it's simply altruistic. I'm just saying this for your own benefit. Uh, but really, it's just a dig. <laughs> Where's your iron? Oh, no, 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 Marie, you don't have to iron our well, clothes. You know, you never know when relatives are going to come barging in. Ah, uh -huh, that's true. <laughs> Maybe there's a big occasion and the house is filled with relatives. Like what? What occasion, Ma? Well, I don't know. Birth, graduation, Christmas, death. All my favorites. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, God forbid if someone should die. I mean, what, if you were to die, Deborah. Everyone would be here. And imagine them up in that messy closet trying to pick out something for you to wear. Mom. And then afterwards, they'll want to take clothes. Your drawers should be very neat so they can look through and see what they like. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit guide you, you guys. I'm saying this for your own benefit. Okay, we're almost to the end of this sitcom episode. Uh, the very last joke in this article is the best and most relevant one. Uh, it's the NPC joke. Guys, you know the NPC meme? The non-player character? Yeah, basically the last section of this article is telling everyone to embrace their inner NPC. Um, if you don't know what NPC is, what the meme is, look it up. But basically, to summarize, non-player characters are the characters in games that just move the story along but they don't really do anything. They're just automated and they rigidly do what they're scripted to do. Um, I'll let The Rock in Jumanji demonstrate this for you. Dr. Bravestone, famed archaeologist and international explorer, known across the seven continents for your courageous exploits. Sir Seatbelt, I can't tell you what an honor it is to finally meet you. And I'm not embarrassed to say you're even more dashing in person. Um, thanks. Who are you? Nigel Billingsley at your service. Ruby Roundhouse, killer of men. Welcome to Jumanji. I've been so anxious for your arrival. As you know, Jumanji is in grave danger. We're counting on the four of you to lift the curse. Curse? What curse? Excuse me, have you seen my phone anywhere? Professor Sheldon Oberon. Welcome to Jumanji. 
Nigel Billingsley at your service. I've been so anxious for your arrival. Let's meet this guy. I think he's an NPC. A what? English, please. A, a non-player character. He's part of the game. So anything we ask him, he only has his program series of responses. Add it. It's all clear now. Franklin Mouse Finba, welcome to Jumanji. So the very end of our favorite article here um, basically says that unity is the goal and the only way to get unity is to just comply. So give up your convictions or your individual thought. Just comply. Act out the auto response. It's not that hard to be NPC, you guys. It's easy. Um, the last sentence of the article says, quote, Only a church united in love and doctrine, committed to mission, and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, will accomplish Christ's purpose in preparing people for the coming of our Lord, unquote. So, basically, to summarize, just watch the Futurama Hypnotoad. And the grand prize winner, the Hypnotoad. All glory to the Hypnotoad. Okay, you guys, I hope you were as thoroughly entertained by that article as I was, uh, because that was seriously a quality set of jokes. <laughs> Whoever wrote that should be writing for TV, for sitcoms. I mean, uh, but more seriously, I know the pro-GC crowd are all, all super sure that they're going to create un unity by this compliance committee, and they're all like, you guys, let's pray and um, just do the right thing, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and I think it's pretty clear if you haven't noticed, I don't exactly line up with that opinion. But then on the other hand too, I see the other side. Everyone's getting all exercised about how authoritarian the GC is acting. But like, I think at this point, I'm ready to say, let Barney Fife do what Barney Fife is gonna do. Now men, I have just one thing to say. This isn't gonna be kid stuff. Off, Barney. Sheriff, if you don't mind. <laughs> now, there won't be room for any mistakes out there. One mistake is one too many. And you'll each be on your own. There'll be no Molly Coddling. That badge means something. Don't any of you disgrace it. I won't, sir. Did you have permission to talk? No, sir. What's your badge number? Three. All right, three. Watch it. <laughs> now listen, men, and listen good. There's liable to be trouble out there today. We're liable to have folks among us who are here for more than just a good time, if you know what I mean. Now, the minute it looks like there's going to be trouble, we got to nip it. <laughs> nip it in the bud. Nip it. <laughs> Let's hear it! Never <laughs> Sir, may I ask something? Badge number? Two. All right, two, go ahead. Are we going to be armed? <laughs> no, I'm afraid not, gentlemen. I'm afraid there won't be any time to educate you men in the proper use of firearms. Somebody could get hurt. You see, if you're not familiar with firearms, these babies can go off. <laughs> now... Uh, you see what I mean? Now, I did that just to show you what can happen. That'll be all, man. 10-4. <laughs>
Because you guys, the truth is, there's nothing scary about authoritarians if they have no authority. Nobody's scared of Barney Fife. Um, and if we in the NAD just laugh, shrug it off, and do what we're going to do anyway, literally all the GC can come back with is their series of warnings and reprimands, etc. Um, if anyone is going to destroy the unity of the church, it's going to be them when they try to kick us out. Uh, but even then I really don't think that they can do anything because the NAD is by far the highest tithe contributor to the church. And the Pacific Union, which is one of the non-compliant unions, is second only to the Southern Union in, uh, tithe contributions. According to the 2017 annual statistical report, the NAD gave 46% of world church tithe and offerings. Out of all the divisions, one division is giving 46%. So does anyone really think that they're going to take super massive action against the NAD to the point of losing unions or even the division? Um, they would be really stupid to do that. Uh, so other than to go around waving their pistol at people and accidentally shooting it off like Barney Fife, we can pretty much do what we want, I think. Um, and what I want is to live by my conscience and to laugh at people who write articles that read like a comedy textbook. Is that so much to ask? Okay, so let me know what you guys think. Uh, at me on Instagram, Millennial, or email me, AdventistMillennial at gmail.com. Also, don't forget... Uh, I didn't say it at the top of the episode, but subscribe to this podcast if you haven't. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow the Facebook page, follow the Instagram page, all of the above. Leave a review on iTunes if you have so enjoyed this. Um, I'm interested to know in all of your opinions on the compliance committees. Are you scared? Are you glad, mad, highly amused like I am? Let me know. Um, and if you can write something funnier than that article... I challenge you to send that to me. Okay, bye everyone.